Dear Florida Board of Medicine, my name is Camille and I am, as I know you are, concerned about the well-being of those suffering from gender dysphoria, especially children. I've come here today to share my story in hopes of preventing this from happening to others. I was struggling with severe mental illness, CPTSD, major depressive disorder, ADHD, generalized anxiety disorder, and suicidal ideation. Knowing this, my doctors approved and performed a gender neutral top surgery on me, one between feminine and masculine that has no biological blueprint in nature. I didn't even know what to ask for. All I knew was that the discomfort with my breast had been unbearable. I wanted them gone. Medicaid paid for it. Days after the surgery, I developed complications. One day I woke up and knew something was wrong. My feet were ice cold, starting to discolor, and in a hysterical state, I went to the ER. I had developed Raynaud syndrome. They sent me home with a Valium, which at first relaxed, then sent my body into shock, causing me to abruptly wake up with sweat pooled under my eyes. Shortly after, I developed bony pomises, heat rashes, random sharp pains, skin discoloration, and would bruise when my doctors tried to check my pulse. For months, I hardly slept because the ringing of the tinnitus was so loud. I felt isolated and was inconsolable. Even with the severity of the complications, my doctors didn't understand how to treat me because my issues fell outside their standard of care. They stopped taking me seriously. My mother talked to me about psychiatric hospitalization. My main concern is that you will ban gender care, but not provide alternatives. It took me two years, but I'm the most emotionally stable I've been in my entire life. But not because of the gender affirming care I received, high risk, invasive, has left me with a deformed body and complications I still struggle with today. The holistic treatments that improved my mental and physical health were low risk and non-invasive. We need better treatments for people like myself. I ask that the board please look into inflammatory and autoimmunity biomarkers of those struggling with gender dysphoria. I have issues with both but as my inflammatory markers went down, I stabilized emotionally. I believe this needs to be looked into. I'm grateful for you taking the time to hear what I have to say. So what happened to me doesn't happen to someone else. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 99. I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. And before we get into it today, just want to remind you guys to like subscribe comment share the video give us money there's links in the description we love you thank you so much for your attention gracias uh we appreciate you we see you guys out there in the yes. comments uh thank you so much um today you just saw a little clip from camille kiefel camille is a california resident right camille oh actually oregon oregon oh, right oregon. she's over on that uh -huh. left coast so she <laughs> was coast. early impacted by the radical gender ideology she got some mm -hmm. bad advice and she suffered a lot of medical complications as you just saw described. So Camille, thank you so much for joining us, for discussing your, your journey as they call it. 
these days. Yeah. Really appreciate you making the time. Um, thank you. Yeah, this yeah, is thank you for having me. This is a topic that we, uh, you know, we like to cover often on the show because we think it's a very serious situation. We've had a few D-Trans people on before. We've had um, Richie or Tulip, right? Tulip R. Tulip Richie. We've had uh, Shapeshifter on who had a very harrowing experience. And I think uh, was that the, the Florida board meeting, right? Yeah, I think Shape testified there. Yeah. Too. Shape also testified there. We've had mm -hmm. on our friend Laura Becker a couple times. And we've also had a, a trans person who is not de-trans, but is um, also against, you know, pushing this stuff onto kids. Uh, Sarah Higdon, I don't know if you know Sarah. She's had a trans against mm -hmm. Grimmers Yeah, so Sarah's very based and is doing a lot to also talk about this stuff and, you know, get the word out there. But thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. So how old are you now, Camille? I am 32. Hey, so am I. Nice. <laughs> nice. 90, we out here. Right. And when did you uh, when did you get the the first exposure to the trans mania? What, how how young were you? So I'm kind of like in an interesting position because I like I'm like an older detransitioner, so I wasn't exposed to gender ideology growing up. I was kind of exposed to the basis of it because I was in a very liberal town. So right. Yeah, because I'm like I was near like the Portland area, so oh, okay. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so I was still getting kind of like because I think that too, it's just like it was kind of like that set the foundations for what we're dealing with today. It's very cultural, um, right? And so I was introduced to um, kind of this radical gender ideology. Um, when I went to college, um, I was a woman's study minor, and that's where gender ideology was being taught because the idea of like intersectionality. So they was they were putting gender ideology with that because it fell under that that sort of um, that sort of like thought process. Yeah. So same um, same umbrella coming out of like the the feminist mm -hmm. studies or the the sociology studies. Well, it's all it's all critical theory, right? It all falls under mm -hmm. that. Yeah, well, it's in the yeah. same sort of post uh, post uh, post modern modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah Peterson would call it. Yeah, yeah it's the, the the studies I call them. It's like yeah, well, gender and... studies, women's studies, African American studies, anything that has studies after it is like hmm. <laughs> As I mentioned before, you know, right. we had three detransitioners on before you. All of them transitioned after the age of eighteen as adults. So Laura, I think, was around nineteen. Richie, I think, was like what, like twenty six or twenty. He was uh, 29, I think. Later, you know, Later, and same yeah. thing with Shapeshifter also transitioned as an adult. So clearly, you know, the, this phenomenon, it's not something that's just affecting the youth. It is affecting people who are just undergoing certain traumas and things like that. And those aren't being addressed. And they're kind of being pushed into right. this direction of just affirm, affirm, affirm. And Brett and I are very um, adamant that what needs to change is that approach, that affirm, affirm, affirm approach. And we need to go back to a watchful waiting approach when dealing with something like gender dysphoria. Right. Yeah, I think, too, it's it's what's important would be to to look at underlying health issues, because once I addressed like the physical health issues, like I realized, oh, I've been a woman this whole time and that I was just disconnected from my body and dealing with trauma. But I had done up to the point of doing the um, the non-binary top surgery. Okay. I had 
done 20 years of traditional talk therapy, including EMDR, um, DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy, which is kind of like a common skill base, mm -hmm. I guess, well-known skill based therapy. Um, and I also did like hypnotherapy. Um, Interesting. And, and I had done two rounds of a treatment called TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation therapy, what is which that? is, it's like a cousin to ECT. And I always say like, you know, it, it's like, think one flew over the cuckoo's nest and okay. like, you know, the shock therapy, that's ECT uh, or electroconvulsive therapy. Now TMS is a cousin to ECT and it's a much safer cousin because when it comes to electroconvulsive therapy, um, things like anti-retrograde amnesia can be a potential issue. Like you can, like there's this really sad video I recommend people watch. Um, it's Ketamine Save Me. Like she talks about like how kind of like Memento, she's writing things down because she can't remember things anymore. Yeah, so I mean, ECT is like, I, I mean, I've been horrified like researching it. And so thankfully I, I just did TMS, which is far safer. Um, but I mean, that's kind of the thing is that we're resorting to these types of treatments instead of like, okay, well, I've been a pescatarian since I was, um, let's see here, since like high school. So I've been like pescatarian for well, well, I was well, as well over 10 years, a pescatarian. So like, nobody was like, well, maybe you should try eating meat again. Hmm. Like, and, and then I started eating meat again, I started feeling better. It's like that and some other things. But yeah. yeah, I was reading, you had some uh, inflammatory issues, right? That were sort of just totally yeah. unaddressed and it wasn't until later. This is uh, mm -hmm. something that I, ha I have personal issues with inflammation too. I'm uh, lactose uh, milk intolerant. So mm -hmm. like Casey and I also have gluten problems. So if I get glutened, it's like flu-like symptoms and body aches and all kinds of yeah. bathroom unpleasantness for sometimes 24 to 72 hours, depending mm -hmm. on the dose. So I've, I've had that, I've been down that road. Definitely not fun. Um, diet yeah. so yeah. important you're, for people. I think, you're the first, is, yeah. I think you're the first person who's been through this that has actually brought up diet and whether or not there's a connection to the, to the things right. you eat, to this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, the other thing that occurred to me too, with you said pescatarian for 10 years, you know, fish, depending mm -hmm. on where it comes from, can be high in certain heavy metals. Oh yeah. So there can be like the need to like detox from that. I had to do a heavy metal detox. I had high levels of lead and cadmium for some mm. reason in my blood <laughs> and uh yeah. that was like a whole thing that i had to go through but this is, and these aren't things that they tell like you know kids present with like problems and they're like oh, mm -hmm. i think we uh you know i saw that you you had not even two hours worth of consult at that one gender clinic right and they were already mm -hmm. like okay so, you know here's your like note for surgery and stuff <laughs> just like, right it's it's crazy like i think one of them was like a 50 minute appointment and one of them was like a like a 60 minute appointment. So it was just like, it's just shocking. Like I never went in person um, because like this is during COVID, which is also like a whole other layer of insanity with all this. Um, but I like, I went in um, or like, I, I just did a video call and we talked about it. They knew about my history of trauma. I wasn't lying about anything. And then they just approved me. And I think too, what, unfortunately, what, what's part of the problem is that you have that ideological bent that's like influencing these people like to write these letters and that not being critical about it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, these are them mm -hmm. brave space. These are the ladies. Mm -hmm.
um yeah and they uh <laughs> yes get them get them camille what what article is this this is from the something post oregon woman sues trans care team over disgusting misdiagnosis left her mailed maimed to be maimed <laughs> <Mailed. laughs> they should be named. Definitely named. That's a, yeah. Uh, it would have been funny if they put a l m a l e d mailed. <laughs> it's funny, but um. All right. So, how far did you actually go into the process? You said you did undergo surgery. Yeah. So I um. Well, it was kind of interesting because I never wanted hormones, okay. like for it, and and that's again like the weird part of this is that it's like completely on the patient, like to decide the form of treatment rather than doctors deciding like what helps, you know, these individuals. Right. Which it's is like bizarre. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Take your, mm -hmm. take your pick of yeah, well, these fabulous gender treatments we have available for right. you. Not how that's mix and match, <laughs> you know, whichever one you like will affirm whatever. It's like, uh, is that how medicine's supposed to work? So you didn't go <laughs> on testosterone. No. And it what was odd was that like now looking back on it, I'm like, they, performed a non-binary top surgery on me, which has like no biological blueprint in nature. Like you can't be like, hey, like there's an actual human being that has the surgery that we're gonna emulate, or not the surgery, but this type of like, you know, physical body, like we're gonna like do that for right. you. It's just, it's like they, and it shows us how like custom this is and how like designer, it's, it's just very odd because like I was never thinking of it that way when I was getting the surgery or like wanted to get the surgery. So it's just, it's such a, it's a, it's really bizarre. And just like every, like the doctors are like in on it. Like the doctors are a part of this ideology. The surgeons are, I mean, I think there's some people who, who want to do this for money and who are like, that's their goal. But I think a lot of people are just influenced by an ideology that doesn't allow you to be critical of, you know, anything that relates to being trans. They, they think they're helping. And, right. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure some of them really, truly believe that. And they can't mm -hmm. really see past that blind spot where it's like, you're not helping. This is like some Frankenstein shit here. Like, why are we allowing this to yeah. happen? So how, how old were you when you got the surgery? I was 30. You were 30. So this was about two mm -hmm. years ago, roughly. And so that happened during yeah. the whole pandemic process, like when that mm -hmm. whole thing was going on. Yeah. And that's another thing too. It's like, you know, you mentioned that that was a whole other layer and it's like a lot of people were undergoing mental health issues and all sorts of things like that, addictions during that mm -hmm. time. I know I had my own little mental break. I'm sure most people had a, a certain low period during that time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, instead of factoring that in, you know, hey, society just like radically changed and they closed everything down. Maybe we should take a step back here. None of that was even like factored into, you know, the decisions. Right. It was just like odd because like they like they they knew about my history and everything and how like I was so treatment resistant. And like I like the problem, too, is like I couldn't take medications. So like when doctors would try and deal with my mental illness through a medication route, like none of those things worked. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I remember like the only thing that seemed to work was ADHD medication, like methylphenidate CD, but it would dry out my mouth. And so I got gum disease and I'm like, no. oh, so I can't take this. <laughs> so it was just like hard because like that was the only thing that would kind of regulate my emotions. But then it's just, you know, then there's side effects to that as well. Yeah, yeah it sounds like you had a lot of complicated, you know, intersecting issues 
that were being right. unaddressed. Um, and they were just sort of like throwing a bunch of different treatments at the wall to see what stuck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing was really working. It's, it's, it's a sorry indictment of the medical industry and of modern right. medicine. You know, we're supposed to have this advanced, powerful, you know, American right. medical establishment that's supposed to be able to cure any ills. And you should be so lucky to have access to it. And here they are, and they're like, we don't really know what's wrong. We'll try this. We'll try that. Not just that. It seems like they're jump, jumping to, the, like, the most drastic types of treatments before even trying more simple things, like mm -hmm. she said, like changing your diet or maybe, like, meditation, things oh, like it's that. It's funny like, how people don't really know about the sort of chronic inflammatory issues, especially yeah. related to diet. Uh, contamination with heavy yeah. metals, microplastics, like chemicals. Yeah. People are sensitive to the chemicals sometimes in their shampoo and their mm -hmm. toothpaste. And never mm -hmm. in a million years would they think that they're having some sort of sensitivity or an allergy to the toothpaste or the shampoo. But, you know, it happens. And, and, you, you and doctors know. don't look to that first. They you won't know until you, like, attempt to eliminate that thing from your diet or yeah and then seeing how you feel later and then maybe trying to reintroduce it and then seeing if that changes you know if you go back to the way you were feeling before so would you say when you changed your diet was that like the biggest thing that helped there was a couple different things so the, the because i also like tried supplements and the thing is like i don't really know which supplements helped like there was a supplement i took that helped me get off of Ambien because I was like, okay. after the surgery, I developed all these health complications and the doctors took me seriously at first, then stopped taking me seriously. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like when it comes to the actual treatments, like I've, I've kind of like just tried a bunch of different things. Um, but what I noticed that's what, what kind of started it was that I did body work and then I did my first Bowen session and I was like, oh, that's what I've been needing for the last, like, you know, 20, 30 years, you know? Uh, so, like, and it was like this, it was interesting because, like, it's just like a manual therapy. I describe it kind of like massage, but it's just, it's more intentional. So you're, like, pu pushing the skin and pulling it. And it's um, it's it's an interesting form of treatment. But uh, so I, I, I realized at that point I responded very well to body work. So I just, I look out body work, different types of body work, and try those. And then I was also doing, um, I, I started doing earth, earthing or grounding, depending on like, there's two different ways of saying it, but like okay. where you like, the idea is kind of like there's, I think it's like negative ions in the earth or something. And so it helps with inflammation. And so like, you can go barefoot on the ground, like that's one way to earth, but like I have an earthing pad. Um, actually I had an anti-static wristband because I work with computers. And so I put that on my wrist mm. and then I put it in the grounding I put it in the grounding prong in my outlet. And I remember I did this for like three days. And the third day I woke up and I was like, I'm going to drop my sertraline dose by a half. And I was like, okay, this wow. is something I, I, I'm just going to like, just sleep on this thing every night. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to sleep on it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to try that. And then from there, I saw Michaela Peterson. Um, She's great. Yeah. And I, I, I was like watching you are here and I was, and I was like, wow, she seems like really stable and she only eats meat. And then she was talking about all these health issues that were reversed through going on this carnivore <clears throat> diet. And I was like, oh, like, I'm just going to try that and see how that helps. And so I, I didn't go on full on carnivore, but like I started eating meat again, which was good because we found out like a couple months later that I was low on ferritin. So that was probably why I was like so dysfunctional as well. 
Hmm. Um, which is weird because that, again, that happened after the surgery. So, um, yeah, so uh, thankfully my ferritin levels are like, because they were originally like 90 before the surgery when they tested again in 2021 because it was surgery 2020. 2021, they tested again in February and I was like, like, four, like 17. So I went from ni 90 to 17 on my ferritin levels and I started eating meat again. And now I'm like, um, the last time I checked, which is like 2022, um, I'm now at like a 70. So thankfully I've got to my ferritin levels up since going on. And I'm going to guess most of that was going on that carnivore diet um, right. and eating, eating, eating organ meats, even though they're disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then um, I also did hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So that one was, right. I think, one of the most effective treatments for me. And what it is, is that you receive pure oxygen in a pressurized environment. So like, I'll have like a face mask on, or like, I forgot what, the, I think <clears> I call it a simple mask. And you put it on and you like do 20 minutes on with pure oxygen, 20 minutes off, or five minutes off, 20 on, five off, 20 on. So you do that. And um, like I did like, um, I was part of a case study and the results were that um, I went from, through 60 treatments, I went from severe to moderate anxiety to mild anxiety. Hmm. My generalized anxiety disorder went away. And then my ADHD went from 72 to six. Wow. Yeah. And so it was like, that was obviously what I needed was a treatment like that. But the thing is like, I think what's great about something like hybrid auction therapy it's kind of like a catch-all treatment. So like yeah. if doctors don't know what to do with you, it's kind of like nice because, well, it just kind of treats the body, so. Yeah, I've, I've seen mm -hmm. that a lot more about that popping up in the news lately. And it's mm -hmm. good for sort of generalized problems, chronic issues that are intractable. I kind of want to try it now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, you, they put you in, you basically like lay down in like a tube and they jack the pressure mm -hmm. up in the tube. And then you're sitting there and you're breathing in the pure oxygen. The idea is that it really oxygenates your blood mm. to let your body do all the things that it needs to do to yeah. heal and repair itself. We probably both need that breathing, this Manhattan air and all the time yeah. Yeah. Yes, seriously yes. like i don't know if you've ever yeah. been in new york city but uh <clears throat> it's <yeah>. gross <laughs> the air yeah, here is not yeah <laughs> i remember when we were in florida in 2021 just that was one of the major differences was just how beautiful oh, and fresh the yeah. air was over there we were also staying in a beach mm -hmm. town so we were near the ocean perfectly humidified a little just a little yeah. salty yeah. it was like it was great <sighs> it was nice then we would come back here and it'd be like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'm gonna try that therapy now yeah it's a good idea we yeah. probably got it here i'm sure we, i'm sure we have it. it somewhere so camille what are you doing since you're you're suing now because you need to we need to stop this mm -hmm. i think lawfare is actually one of the more effective weapons that we can utilize and people uh that mm -hmm. like you that have had you know complications that were sort of coerced through the process yeah or heard it through the process. We need accountability. Um, I feel like be. you are the, the people that are in that position to deploy these lawsuits. So hopefully, <laughs> you know, you act as an inspiration that, that you know, things go forward. Um, what can you tell us about, about the situation without, you know, getting too into it? Right, so kind of just what I've talked about before with, um, with kind of like how quickly I was pushed through with, with these letters. And then also like, um, 
part of the reason why I'm doing this is so that it doesn't happen to other people. Like I, like it's because I, I went through a lot with that. And it's just like, now I, I can't like breastfeed. I can never wear a dress. Like I, like, like I can, but it's, it doesn't like fit the same way. And it's just right. like, it's kind of sad. Like, you know, I, like, I, I mean, I recently, I got like a 1950s swimsuit, which was like really cool. And it's just like, I don't, fit it the right way and it's just yeah. like it's like the shoulders can like slip i was wearing another swimsuit and the shoulders started slipping and it's just like uh like you know it's it's just like it's sad because it's just like this completely you know unnecessary surgery and like it was like a misdiagnosis um i know medicaid considered it a medical necessity so it's mm. just yeah our I don't friend, know, it's just like insane our friend laura who had a double mastectomy and we've also had mm -hmm. on the show uh, she like got certain like padded bras to just I think kind of deal with that and to fit certain clothes yeah. better but also to like just feel better about herself when you know she looked in the mirror and that sort of thing but I imagine that's really difficult and there's a whole mourning process that you go through because there, you know you feel like wow I lost like a piece of myself literally well and it irks me because yeah. the first rule of medicine is do no harm yeah. they are not supposed to you know, cause harm to people unless it's, you know, 100% absolutely medically necessary. And, you know, that that's what the treatment calls for. It was clear in, you know, in, in the cases of kids or in young people with, with gender dysphoria, it's not necessarily medically necessary in as many cases as they're ushering through the process. And, and as soon right. as there's, you know, there's, there's dozens of, of folks that, you know, we could describe as D trans or just, you know, people who, you know, were herded through the process and later realized it was, it was not for them. Um, but once you have that, it, it, the medical industry and all these, you know, ruling medical bodies really needs to like, you know, take a deep breath and reflect and, and decide yeah. what is, is really best for patients because it's clear mm -hmm. that what's happening right now is not yeah so i was i was mentioning your motivation and you know the reasons okay. you chose to speak out and from what i can tell that seems to be the same motivation for everyone who's choosing to speak out and it's that they want to try to prevent as many people as possible from going through this process and making um, a mistake i'm not going to say that everyone who's detrans is like anti-trans and wants to eliminate the right of people say adults to make that choice later but they definitely yeah. want to spread some education share their experience and say well here's what i went through you could regret it there could be these complications it's very possible and we should be giving that information to people up front and not just affirm 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 all the time and I think it's an admirable motivation because it's probably really difficult to speak about these things. And there's so something too that um, Casey Miller kind of brought to my attention. I don't know if you follow Casey on Twitter. Um, Casey has talked about like how she feels like a lot of D-trans people are kind of being used as like tokens on the right. So it's like they get attacked by people on the left, obviously, because they disrupt that narrative. But sometimes it feels like people on the right might be just using them to put them in front of everyone and be like, look how shocking these people are. And, and instead mm -hmm. of seeing them as humans, because it's like you're, you're people, you know, you have all these things about you that have nothing to do with this that you went through. This is just one part of you that, you know, it's something you went through. Like when we had Laura Becker on the first, you know, D-trans person we talked to. We had a whole segment of that episode where I was just like, all right, well, who are you as a person? Like, what are you into? What are your interests? Right. 
beyond what happened to you. So I guess I'm going to pose that same question to you. Like what interests you, what things are you, are you, are you motivated and passionate about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, yeah, I, 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 for me, I'm like really interested in like things like computers. Like I, like my dad, um, growing up, my dad was also into computers. So he taught me how to like, you know, put together, put together one. And like, um, you know, like when I have an issue, like, I mean, I have like a MacBook pro and it's kind of funny because you're not really supposed to like, Apple doesn't want you to mess with the MacBook pro, but right. I mess with it anyways. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I mean, I have like a new logic board in there. Um, that's not supposed to go in there, but mm. it's, it's like, yeah. And so it's, and I mean, it's an older machine. It's like, now it's like, I think it's like 2014 is when I like the year of the machine. So it's, it's old and it's not performing super well, but I mean, it lasted. So, I mean, there's that, um, don't really, I wouldn't hold the candle up to like the newer Macs doing anything like that, but, um, you Sorry, know, yeah, it's just, just like, it's sinking yeah. into me right now that 2014 was almost 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm like things from I, 2014 I are old now technologically. <laughs> It's impressive though. Ten year old machines yeah. still last. I mean, I think no. that well, I replaced a bunch of parts. In yeah, that I mean, if you if you, I'm sure if you maintain them and fix them, replace parts here and there. I'm not as computer savvy. He's the more. I think that that anymore. computer I replaced every single part except for the case. Yeah, well, you're you're the you're the tech guy. I don't ask me how to take them apart and put them together. I can use them. Which That's is it. funny. Like, Even problem solving. I have you do all the problem solving. I'm the painter, like artist type. I don't, yeah. I don't do the gadgets. I'm not too good with that. Yeah, I'm the left brain. He's the right brain. <laughs> yes, oh, primarily. So, did yeah. you study computers? Did you go to school for that? I, I didn't. Like, I wish. You know, I wish I had done something because I was like mainly focused on women's studies because, like, I was so. I think it's partially because I have. ADHD, like I was so fixated on that. And it just right. too, I was so miserable at the time. And this was being sold as like, this is why you're miserable, like because of sexism and, you know, all these other things instead of like, right. well, you're right. Like you're, you're miserable because you, you have a poor diet and, or you're not eating meat and you know, you're, there's all these other things that you can do. You're dealing with inflammation and your doctor's not checking it. Like that, that was kind of like why that appealed to me. And then yeah so i wish i had i wish i had done yeah. studied that i mean I, i've kind of like done some self-study like i was really into comics the sad thing about that was that when i got into like as i was because i ended up developing cptsd from being in like those women's studies classes wow. and so i like i was all the comics i was following like the web comics were pretty much all woke and so mm-hmm. I was just like, it was kind of like this painful thing. And I started getting away from comics and started getting towards film. So now I'm like really interested in film. Um, I watched like a whole bunch of films one year. And then I'm like, I have like a list of all the films I've watched. So it's, um, yeah, it's just like, it's interesting to me. Like I'm a fan of like Stanley Kubrick's work. And um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I like, I, I, and you know, kind of throwing some like more obscure ones out there. Like I really like, um, you know, Michael Powell's work, like, um, I think it was like the red shoes, but also like peeping Tom's really good. It's like, never seen the red shoes. Yeah. And then like peeping Tom's kind of funny because it's like, it reminds me of like a Hitchcock film, but it's not a Hitchcock film because the leading lady isn't blonde. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's like getting into film and, um, 
you know, I and like I like shoe construction, like just like kind of weird niche sort of things I'm into. So I'm super into movies. Yeah. What's yeah, your what's I, your favorite favorite movie of all time? Do you have one? Oh, that's hard. I <laughs> so, know. So, uh, Challenge. Oh, because like I could like do different films. Okay, I'd probably say Suspiria. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, was yeah. There a remake? Yeah, a there was a remake. remake. There was the original. Remake. Yeah, the original. The original. Oh, original's yeah. Twisted. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's twisted. Yeah, I'm like a total nerd, so I just say like the Lord of the Rings film trilogy. Like uh-huh. all three of them. I'm Aliens, nineteen eighty six, the sequel. Oh, nice. Oh, Big okay. Fan. I n- yeah. actually never seen the sequel, but the second I know one? I like. Never seen it. Wow. <laughs> it's so like weird. Like I watched a whole bunch of movies, and but I haven't like watched some. Like my my dad still is like, well, why have you not seen? Um, apocalypse now and so like i feel like i've been disowned <laughs> i mean that's another I, that's classic right um yeah. apocalypse now what was the other one there's like three in the vietnam cohort i always went what was the one with uh that was the one marlon brando right apocalypse now right then it's like was, it's uh, full metal jacket which you can that's what i was thinking of. yeah yeah there's mm-hmm. that uh, one and then there's, right there's one more uh yeah that was kubrick yeah I can't um, think of the other one. I didn't watch. I'm blanking on it. But yeah, there's a, or it's a um, Oliver Stone film. Um, uh, Born on the 4th of July, I think, maybe. I'm trying to remember no, the name. No, that's not a Vietnam film, is it? Um, I might be getting it confused. It's possible. But uh, you know, I think I think it's interesting what you said earlier of, you know, you wish you had studied some of these things or computers or right. something else in school, but you ended up in the gender studies department. And, you know, I think, I think you're just looking for answers. Like it makes sense right. why you it's just normal like, for young people, which is normal, you know, seek that. especially, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to figure out who you are and your identity and all this stuff. It's like, and this is what mm-hmm. makes, I think the gender ideology stuff. So like pernicious horrifying to me is that yeah. young people don't know who they are. It's a whole process to figure that out. And many of us, I would say most of us probably don't even start to solidify <clears throat> into who we are and figuring out what truly motivates us what we want like late 20s yeah like 20s. 25 right the gray matter in your brain starts start stops developing and that's when you're kind of fully finished developing mentally girls a little earlier like 23 but so most boys 25 like when you see like stuff like jazz jennings on tv or what happened to chloe yeah. cole it's that it's crazy that that they could allow a 15 year old to undergo a process like that and it's like i didn't know shit when i was 15 i thought i knew a lot because you know we we're all like you know we're a little um full of ourselves at that age and we think we know exactly what we want there's a natural there's a natural arrogance that comes with youth with youth yeah it's just like but man i'm trying to think about like i'm thinking about me at 15 i'm like i was a little dumbass like Imagine like I just said, oh, hey, I'm a girl and that's exactly what I just that's what I am. And you're going to just believe me and you have to affirm me. And if you don't, I'm going to harm myself or whatever. It's like if I were I I didn't think that when I was younger, but like if I were growing up now as a 15 year old, Mm -hmm. I probably would have been so sure of myself that, yeah, I would have been pushing everyone around me to affirm me in that direction. And then look what happens, you know, just a few years later someone like chloe realizes like oh well there was all this this other stuff going on this all changed this culture just like changed so fast like it was a gradual thing but i think some kind of tipping point happened well i mean it's only been you know we're only 23 years into the 21st century in the 90s you know the idea of 
sex changes for kids would have been totally unfathomable yeah. Oh, yeah. and unthinkable. There would have been, you know, riots in the streets. But today it's like, you know, people are, when people speak out against mm -hmm. it, you get labeled transphobic. We had uh, an interesting experience on Twitter recently, some alt-right bot detector labeled our mm -hmm. podcast as what did they call us that was uh i was not prepared for you to bring up that tweet <laughs> <laughs> they called us a um, far right podcast well, one of uh, that spreads yeah. uh you know coup related yeah. misinformation one of our followers transphobia mm -hmm. one of our followers commented on something and basically wow. said you know trans mm -hmm. men aren't men or are women and this first this other rando he him tags a bot um, the bot goes yeah. through your followers list finds the most yeah. offensive and it person says, you follow oh. it says, uh, our follower so is apparently our following is, a very... is following dan delafay host of dangerous rhetoric a far-right <laughs> podcast that promotes covid19 misinformation <laughs> oh, and no. transphobia i'm like wow yeah. we made it guys we're in databases <laughs> now it's just so random so sorry camille i guess oh, you, i didn't warn you that you were appearing on a far-right yeah. podcast oh no 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 just <laughs> Canceled. Yeah, it's just it's crazy because we're moderates, fairly moderate. Very moderate. Right. Used to be very liberal, you know, until not too long ago. Same. So really, the, the coof and the gender mania really sort of just yeah. like smacked me over to the other side of the aisle. Yeah, it's like now I'm a little more right. conservative than when I was younger, but that's actually kind of normal from what I understand. I, a lot of people when right. they age, as they age, it's kind of normal to become a little more conservative and it is normal when you're younger to be a little more liberal we all want to save the world and be part of the yeah. next cause and and I, th I think like the elites and the people in power they understand that they use those good intentions to right. whip up the youth into some movement or whatever to get votes and i think that's a big part of this too is like the whole gender ideology thing they know it's going to get them votes from among the youth so they support it. And that's why you have people like Joe Biden up there, like talking to uh, Dylan Mulvaney, right? Which is crazy. Like this person is like a woman now, wasn't even trans for like a year. And it's like, you get invited to the White House because you have millions of followers on TikTok. And then that just further reinforces this stuff. When you have the president of the United States sitting down and reinforcing I still haven't it. watched that interview. We don't need to watch oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to do like a yeah. little mocking reaction video with yeah. like Mr. Josh Locker. But calling us even transphobes too, it's like, like I said earlier, we had Sarah Higdon on the show. I would sit down and break bread with Sarah any day. Sarah's a great person. Yeah, I have no problem with trans know. people. I'm not afraid of it's, them. It's the radicals. Sarah it's, does. It's the, yeah. the appropriation of the culture to manipulate children yeah. that well, I find reprehensible. Another thing, too, is like Sarah doesn't expect anyone to play this mental game of viewing her as a her, as exactly as the sex that Sarah's trying to appear as. Yeah, and, Sarah knows Sarah is a man. Yes, it's like, and he wouldn't get mad at you for using he/him pronouns. Probably just say, "Oh, well, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore." But and you have that right to not associate with people. But the fact that one, Sarah's pushing back against this stuff and trying to protect mm -hmm. kids, that's a good thing. We should want anyone on our side who's who's willing to do that. Yeah. And two, isn't trying mm -hmm. to get people to play this mental game where we must see Sarah as. The biological sex that Sarah's trying to appear as. Sarah even admits, says, mm -hmm. I have a mental disorder and said that on Twitter and, and got temporarily temporarily booted off booted Twitter. Like people had to like tweet at Elon mm -hmm. and be like, Oh, what's up with this? Like Sarah's trans. Why are you booting Sarah off? But because right. 
because Sarah said I have a I have a mental disorder and admits that you know it's like you're not even mm-hmm. allowed to do that anymore as someone who is the trans. truth is now hate speech but it's the like, point is like hey I right. did I did these things to myself and underwent this process medically and all that to deal with a mental disorder it's the people who are trying yeah. to say well I am exactly the sex I'm trying to appear as and you must see me as that those are the radical types so trans women are women it's like yeah. no they're not like yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too, is that, like, when you're confident, like, you don't care what other people think. It's a, That's very telling, like, when you are, like, not, like, when you're seeing, like, these, um, these people, like, you must affirm my gender, you must use my pronouns, like, you must do this, you must, you must, you must. Like, that, for me, is telling me, okay, you're having, you know, these kids and adults who are, like, insecure with themselves because like if you didn't need other people to to affirm you and to like you know that that tells me that you know this person's insecure like this person has things that they need to work through and i know like when i started addressing my physical health i was like that was the weird thing was that like i've been trying to work on my confidence for years with like the slew of different you know therapists and it wasn't until like i started doing the physical health stuff that was like wow like i'm actually getting more confident like just through addressing my physical health, which is like another weird thing that nobody would would ever tell you. But yeah, that that's that's my concern. It's just like listening to like this sort of like like this language of like it's telling me I'm like, hey, like these are people that are insecure and need to work on that. Because like if you're like I, I met you know I met a, um you know I, like I've talked to Buck Angel and then it's just sort of like I can tell that, that he's like secure in himself because like he doesn't have to have anybody affirm it for him so we're gonna yeah. try to get Buck on as well soon Trampa Trampa mm-hmm. yeah. right and you know good good for people like Buck too you know who are speaking out about uh-huh. this stuff because they know it affects them as well like they just want to live their lives they don't want to be tied up into all this radical and, stuff know, they, they don't want to be connected to you get like, it from you get it from yeah. the crazy trans activists yeah. and then you get it from mm-hmm. your own audience and you know other you know conservative yeah. people who are like you know you're, you're contributing to the problem but at the same time you're trying to like speak out against it it's a it's a mess yeah like i said i think we need all the allies we can get when it comes to protecting the kids that's like the number one mm-hmm. priority right now and that's why people like buck are speaking out because they don't want to be tied in with something that is harming children in that way and it's like hey that's nothing to do with me i'm not promoting that like i'm i'm a rare case and i went through something as an adult that i chose to go through i had you know yeah like he was also um buck was also one of the first i think trans people in general who underwent surgery and was public about it and all that stuff so it's interesting to see one of the so-called pioneers actually on our side <laughs> opposing yeah. the spread of this this ideology and it being taught in schools and, and all that stuff the um have you heard of billboard chris camille are you familiar with him yes mm-hmm. yeah i've I, heard I of him just, i was just out with him mm-hmm. in boston for a couple of days nice. we had a little uh event up there outside the children's hospital again yeah he came and crashed too he spent the night here yeah, it was, it was because of hanging out with him. Big fan of his work. Yeah. Um, He's it a was nice guy. Just funny because he was down in D.C. before he came up here. And, you know, he was down out there with James Lindsay and uh, Alex Stein, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm-hmm. Chloe Cole. Tiffany Justice, Chloe Cole. Yep. You know, and they were just, they, there wasn't like a planned event. They just sort of like happened to all be in D.C. 
and they gathered outside the Capitol and hung out with Chris. And you know, Chris had a bunch of extra uh, signs of his, and they just you know were hanging out, talking to people, doing the normal thing that he does. And they did this write up in LGBTQ LGBTQ Nation, uh, basically mm -hmm. claiming that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, had like this. Oh wait, this is the right article, but that she had mm -hmm. a. Uh, 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 an anti-trans rally and that nobody came. Here it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even a rally, yeah. first of all. Like, Billboard Chris doesn't do rallies. He he just goes he, out and talks to people. He walks around or right. he stands in a particular spot where he knows this there is will good. be people, has his signs on, and is encouraging people to converse with him. The rally That's was a, ver a veritable who's who of contemporary transphobic trolls, mm -hmm. including the book-banning book parents' right groups, Moms for Liberty, oh, dear. Uh, detransitioned young adult right-wing media darling, Chloe Cole. That's quite a sentence right <laughs> Yeah, right? J.K. Rowling fanboy, Chris Delson. That's Chris. And conspiracy theorist James Lindsay and sexually harassing comedian Alex Stein. I love how everyone's got a title. Yeah, everybody it's has so an good. adjective. But Chloe's is a real mouthful. Detransitioned young adult right wing media, media darling. darling. Like, wow, that's 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 <laughs> that is that's quite a thing uh -huh. to you know call a, a young woman, an eighteen year old who's. Uh -huh. But this is how they this process they talk chose about to speak their story. Right. This is how they talk about people just trying to speak honestly yeah. about these issues. Have you had a right. lot of harassment? Have you had a lot of negative uh, attention or has it been mostly positive? Interestingly enough, it's been, I mean, it's been mostly positive. Um, you know, a lot of people have been supportive. Um, I think that there's a couple people and some of them are the trans rights activists. Some of them are like, you know, you're, you know, you're an adult, you should have known better and you're stupid and you know, you should be institutionalized, you know, all that fun stuff. No, compassion. so yeah, so, no, no compassion, like for like everything I've gone through, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like the, the two things of like, um, two responses I've gotten. Like, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because like, it's really brought people together. So like, I've noticed, like, I get people who are, you know, Christian who are like, you know, thanking me and they're like, God bless you and such. And I go assume Christian, but anyway, they're, they're Christian, um, many of them. And then I've gotten a lot of people on the left. I've got radical feminists following me. So it's just like, I was just kind of surprised because I'm like, I'm like, especially like having those experiences in women's study circles, like where I developed CPTSD, it's like, I was like, well, am I, you know, I, I can't go back there at all. So I was just kind of like surprised when, you know, now I'm center right, like, I'm like, okay, wait, you're, you're following me? Like, I'm like, you're okay with that? Because it was like that sort of call out culture experience. But yeah, yeah no, it's just, it's amazing, like how, and it's great that we have like so many people together from like different sides. You know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to um, make it difficult for you, but can you talk a little bit about mm -hmm. how you like get, got the CPDSD from these women's, like what was happening that was, was traumatizing in these women's studies groups? Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because this happened in 2010. So this is like kind of when the woke ideology hadn't really gotten out yet. Right. Um, but I remember like it was just like that call out culture was happening within women's studies classes. So like, it was like, I, I, like one example was I was, you know, I was, there's somebody who's 
okay. Let me like wind back a little bit. Take so what had happened? Yeah, what had happened was that we had done like a fishbowl exercise and somebody would be oppressed and somebody would be oppressor. And so the thing is, is that the people who, who are playing the oppressor were being treated like they're actual oppressors instead of like, this is an exercise of like how we deal with these conflicts mm -hmm. from, a, from this like um, critical theory lens. And so what had happened was that we were discussing this as a class and I gave an example of, um, I was like, you know, like take for instance, Dra Draco Malfoy, like the, the actor who played him, like he was being treated like he was Draco Malfoy, even right. though he's not Draco Malfoy, like right. he's, he's just an actor, right? Tom Felton. Yeah. Tom yeah, Felton. yeah. Yeah. Tom Felton. Yeah. So, so I was like bringing that example up. Somebody else, um, brought an example up and then we have this, um, this guy who was like a peer mentor in the group, which is like a teacher's assistant. He shouted at both of us that we're both wrong. And like, I, I was just like, uh, and I, I like, I just collected my things. I just walked out of the class and it's kind of like weird. Like the teacher actually came out and tried to call me back in and I was like, I'm, I'm done. And I just like, I left. And then like, we ended up talking about it. He ended up apologizing, but it was just like, you would go into these classes and it just like, it felt like this heavy air, which just like loom of like about this class. It was just like, it's so unhealthy. And yeah, I like another story was that like, I remember, so like I was um, like, I remember this like was the first time I'd gotten a group of people to laugh since I was probably in grade school. And so, because I was like, you know, kind of shy. And so I, like, I was telling this like skit that I'd seen on YouTube um, from College Humor. It's um, Gilbert Gottfried reading Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and so, and it's beautiful. So he's, he's just going like, inner goddess. And he's like, you know, reading this audiobook of Fifty Shades of Grey. And these women are listening to the audiobook and they're like, oh, no, like, you know, they're, they're just like absolutely disgusted by it. And he's just like, the, it's just like this assortment of women being like, oh, you know, and such. And, and he goes like, clip Doris. And, you know, just like absolutely horrid voice. His and then, voice like, is, is amazing. He also he passed away. Yeah. 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 We love you. Yeah. Yeah. Gilbert Godfrey's great. And so like, so and then like at the end, like this woman's, um, she she's just like oh that's hot like it's just like she she's like so excited by it and so like then then i'm telling this and the whole group laughs except for this one person and they say you know he's an asshole right and it just like the whole group fell silent and it's just like i was just like i i don't know what to do it's just like it's almost like what do you say to that yeah. and so it's just like experiences like that it's just like they pile up over time and i was mm -hmm. just like i get so scared and you're in this ideology that's like you're not supposed to hurt people and you're hurting people by like, or hurting people by, you know, doing like even doing a joke that it's where the joke's not offensive. It's the person who told the joke that's offensive. So it's like, well, I mean, I mean, at that point, I didn't know anything about Gilbert Gottfried other than that he voiced Iago in yeah, Aladdin. Yeah. So yeah. So great, it's like, great role. yeah. Love that. Yeah, great. He did a great job. But yeah, it's just like, it's like crazy that you're supposed to keep track of every single person and like what they've done and that it's just like, it's impossible.
Yeah. And so well, that that is yeah. it's a it's a Sisyphean task. Mm-hmm. It's this you're constantly just it's it's a Kafka trap. You're just no matter what you do, it's never good enough. And there will right. always be something that somebody, you know, that there will be that one person in the corner who won't laugh. They'll be like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know you know he's an asshole right? they also do guilt by association yeah, yeah. so like it doesn't even matter say, right. if you've done anything or said anything wrong or offensive if you just say follow the wrong person on social media or if someone knows that you're a friend with or an acquaintance with someone who has problematic that's the ideas, new thing like there was that woman thing, i think yeah. what was that company there was a gaming company that somebody noticed this woman was following like the daily wire and it, uh, you know, it led to her getting fired yeah. well, just because she was following. It's, it's just like the bot incident we talked right. about yeah. earlier. Just saying, you know, the whole point of calling mm-hmm. that bot up on Twitter is that to bot, create this oppressive yeah. atmosphere yeah. that you experienced personally that led to your CPD. They want to recreate yeah. that at the macro social level so that everyone is constantly afraid that anybody could be called out for yeah. anything at any time, simply if they mm-hmm. appear, you know, on the wrong side of the political aisle or they're saying an unpopular you know, bit of information about, you know, perhaps a, a pandemic or, you know, an election that's just not, not allowed mm-hmm. to be spoken. Yeah. And I think that's, this is an important point yeah. because I think one of the biggest ways that we can resist this stuff is to have these difficult conversations with your friends and to like actually say what you think about stuff instead right. of hiding that and self-censoring because you're afraid if those people are going to associate with you anymore or not. And you should, ask yourself very seriously that if there is a particular view that you hold that you're afraid to express around people you consider your friends because they might not be anymore are those really your friends and do you really want Mm -hmm. to be around people like that who you can express yourself to and have a civil dialogue with about things and disagree civilly about stuff where they'll just not associate with you anymore Try it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what your experience exactly. is, Camille, but Danny and I have lost many oh, yeah. friends over the last like three years or so yeah. because yeah, we fine. were very vocal about certain issues. It's okay. We've met <laughs> a right. lot of other cool people just from doing this show. You know, people like you, we've connected with so many interesting, mm-hmm. fascinating people, and that void has been filled. So it is, there's a silver lining to it. It hurts at first, but then you realize, like, oh, well, this is actually better. You know, just let these people right. go, let them fade you know, and go their own way and just be true to yourself. Stop lying because that's what this comes down to is I think there are more people than we realize who do agree with us and do have questions about these things and want to say something, but they're too afraid to. So they, they lie or they at least don't say right. the truth. Even if they're not lying, they just avoid the topic entirely. It's a fascinating experience. I, you know, I went to college in D.C. I went to American University from around 2002 to I graduated in 2005. Um, and I had some uh, another, you know, just basic year of undergrad at a smaller local college. But we had nothing like that. Nothing like this call-out culture. Right. Nothing like that. You know, I even took uh, I took a class on North American taboos, which could be, you know, arguably early forms of wokeism, um, where we like talked about like different things that oh shoot, hold on. yeah, New York. Pause City. for New York. Not so bad. It's normal. <laughs> People can still hear us. I'm so sure. loud. It's part of the uh, you know I might, the I might atmosphere. Just cut this part out too. You're right. I might just edit this part out. Too. Yeah, this happened last time we uh, we had Gothics and Carrie Smith on the show. Yeah, Gothics was like she was making a point. That? Yeah, and then the loud siren just goes by, and she's like, "Are they okay? Is something happening?" Like, it's just New York. Yeah, Sorry. we live right, right. Next to the hospital. Yeah. Um, 
was I saying? I don't know. Oh, well, it, it's gone now. You were uh, talking about graduating in 2005, then you were- Oh, like, oh the taboo. We, yeah, we had taboos, and then we. I also had a class called Oliver Stone's America, which was really interesting, and it was sort of like a critical recent American history through the lens of Oliver Stone's filmography. So that was that could be seen as it was, it was definitely a lefty sort of class. You know, we had this lefty right. professor, uh, and we had Oliver Stone come in and talk to us about you know give oh, us he all came the narratives. In. Oh, well, cool. He didn't come in. He video conferenced in. Oh, close enough. Um, mm. And we had you know we got to like ask him questions and talk about the films and stuff. But it was very subversive. You know, it was very like sort of paradigm overturning because we're here we are critically examining recent history through the lens of Oliver Stone's film. Uh, trying to overturn the mainstream historical narratives that, you know, about Vietnam or about the JFK mm -hmm. shooting and these these things that were very controversial. And I loved it. I was super into it at the time. Um, mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, I probably would have fallen right into the wokeness had I been a little younger, you know, come up, right. you know, in the mid 2010s, 20 teens, as opposed to graduating in 2005. So it's it's scary. It's just capturing the educational institutions and it's sort of hurting the children. And now the, the children are very angry. Like yeah, we well, see this a lot at these protests. Well, now it's, in, it's also yeah. in the highest ranks of government. Like I said before, you have the president of the United States. <laughs> Rachel Levine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have, Sam have, Brinton. Yeah. We have these <laughs> right. non-binary. Did you hear about Sam Brinton in the luggage? People. Right. Like, did, oh my gosh. Did, did that, didn't he like steal the luggage or something or like yes. the Not clothing once, or twice? twice. Oh yeah. no. So now he's facing like two different charges and oh. he's out of his job. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's all gone. Yeah, imagine right. risking your, your high level paying government job because you want to steal ladies clothes and their luggage. That's it's, severe yeah. fetish. We think it's like a, it's yeah. a, probably a fetish thing where it's heavy kink, where he gets off on stealing women's, stealing clothing. women's clothes and putting them, I don't know. And then after he got caught for the first time, he did it again. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> really crazy. Well, yeah. And the crazy thing about that too, is I think that part of it's like, you know, it's that lie that, you know, you believe and like, well, I'm, you know, this, or like I'm non-binary or, you know, that, and it's just like, well, but there's nothing to be non-binary too. Like there's not a transition, like, you know, and I think that that's kind of the sad thing is that instead of being like honest, like, okay, I have this thing that I need to struggle with. It's like, I have this, I'm, I'm this wonderful, you know, third gender and I'm, you know, or like not a gender. I mean, that's a crazy thing too, is that there's like arguments about this being like a, a third gender and there's arguments about being like outside of the, yeah. the spectrum or like on the spectrum. It's like, well, wait, like this is, this is crazy instead of like, well, we have like two things. We have male and female, and then we can have like a variety of like, you know, presentation yeah. or whatever on that and yeah. personality differences Where like on, on that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's no, there's no right way to be a boy and there's no right, right way to be a girl. You know, you just, mm. but you don't have to, you know, coerce one into thinking they're the other because mm. they're a little, you know, gender non-conforming. Yeah. You know, if they're, it's perfectly natural for girls to be a little bit more butch sometimes, and, and mm. perfectly natural for some young gay, typically boys, to be a little bit more feminine, um, mm. and and to take those people and be like, oh, you know, you're acting like the opposite, so now we're going to medicalize yeah. you, so you must be sterilize opposite, you, yeah. surgically alter you, like. 
No. What's, what's Why? So right. What's so crazy about the mm-hmm. whole thing too is like these ideologues claim that they're mm-hmm. opposing gender stereotypes when really it's like you're imposing them. You're the one that reversal, made, that narcissistic yeah, like, reversal, right, and you're, that gaslighting. You're using these rigid gender stereotypes to determine if someone is trans or not trans, and then whether or not we should. I push saw them Billboard Chris doing this thing. He was a really interesting tragedy. It's like, what is a trans kid? Because, like, it stumps them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can't give a short, succinct, because there's no way to identify somebody. Because in, in my per- perspective, trans is a process that you yeah. go through. Not an it's, identity. It's not, you know, like, you can't mm-hmm. be trans like you could be gay. Like, you're trans if you go through the process. Um, but a lot of these people, they, they, they go into these long diatribes. It was so funny. I saw this based black mother of six arguing with this 18-year-old white girl about these issues and and you know mom of six was not having it you know mom mm-hmm. of six was clearly like children yeah. are children they change their minds from like day to day yeah. you know right. especially from year to year there's no way they can consent to something that's going to be a permanent lifelong thing and the, to yeah. watch this girl just like flounder and stutter and be like well and you know this that and i have trans friends it was just such yeah. it was such a treat i felt so privileged to be yeah. here well, I, I wanted to clarify something yeah. with camille so you identified as non-binary, right? Yes. It wasn't that you were you were saying, "Oh, well, I'm a boy now." You were someone who believed that you were kind of in this in between. Yes, it was space. a non-binary. Exactly. Neither. So, like, when did you start to actually identify that way and to conclude that, like, all right, I'm non-binary? Was this 2020 as well? So I, and this is kind of like where it gets a little complicated because I had trauma around my gender and around. Um, I, I guess more like, how would I put it? Like more of like, I had trauma around being a woman and being in my, my sexuality and stuff around sixth grade. So that's like when it started. So I was doing similar things of like dressing more masculine. Like I didn't want to wear girls clothes. Like I, and then I went through like a brief phase in like high school where I was wearing women's clothes and feminine clothes. And then I went to more androgynous. So like masculine, feminine, androgynous was kind of like, was, was what I did in like college was the Georgia stuff. But, um, you know, I didn't want anything to show my curves. I was like, and part of that was trauma. So, but yeah, it was like when I was, and I think that that's part of the issue is that, you know, when we're looking at these colleges, they're, they're treating non-binary or like these classes, like the women's studies classes I was a part of, they're treating non-binary, like an actual legitimate thing. Um, you know, and, and it's just like, it's it's crazy because like I said, it's just like, you can be outside of the gender spectrum being non-binary. You can be in the gender spectrum being non-binary. You can be a third gender. It's like, wait, you can't even decide on that for, yeah, for being like yeah. non-binary. So it was, I mean, for me, it's just like, I've had issues back from this, this trauma event, a uh, traumatic event, but it was like in college where it started. And then it was like, I saw a gender affirming therapist in like 2016. And that's when I started believing I was non-binary. And then, you know, from there I got the surgery in um, 2020. So they reinforced that idea, would you say? Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. They didn't push back at all. They didn't say, well, maybe, you know, there's something else going on here, or they didn't even ask any questions about this. No, and, there's and no pushback. You, and did you come to that conclusion yourself, or is that something that they suggested? And then you were like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I guess I am non-binary. 
you know, I, I like um, the, the therapist I saw in 2016, which really solidified it. Like there was no pushback there. There wasn't any pushback like from my doctor because I, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm looking into top surgery. Like I brought this up with my doctor um, and he didn't, there's no pushback from him. Uh, there's no pushback from the gender therapist um, or the surgeon. So yeah. it's, that's why I'm like, this is, this is definitely ideologically um, compromised as our medical system. So entrenched it seems yeah. they, mm-hmm. they, like we said earlier, they either think they're actually doing good or they're too right. afraid to push back because they don't want to be quote unquote canceled. And that's True, I think, yeah. getting a lot of them to just step into line and, and to just not not question it at all because they don't want to be the one to do it you know well yeah could you know they previously we saw in the toronto gender clinic there was uh, dr kenneth zucker he was famously stripped of his credentials and kicked out of his position there uh because he advocated for the watchful waiting approach he you know saw for mm-hmm. many years that children that presented with gender dysphoria they would resolve on their own generally speaking um and most of them turned out to just be gay kids like gay adults yeah and he was ousted fired from this position went through you know multiple years of lawsuit with his former employer eventually won and got a rather nice Mm -hmm. uh settlement out of it but that was just the one example of the drama you know and why you could understand now with him being so famously prosecuted uh why other doctors would just sort of you know if, if they're you know, professional organizations are telling them that this is the new standard. You know, now we're, we're just affirming across the board. Uh, a lot of them will just do it. And, you know, it takes that a rare type of person to stand up and, you know, feel that it's wrong and speak the courage of their convictions and not just go along with whatever the trend is du jour. And it's right. rare. We should get Kenneth Sucker on the show. Maybe we can, you know, I, I reached out once. Guest. It's hard to find. He's busy. Yeah, he's older too. It looks like he's, he's an older in the guy. 70s. Yeah, but you know, he's he's had these experiences, and you know, it's like what they're doing to Jordan Peterson right now. They're you know, right, trying to take away his credential, and this is what they do. They go after credentials, and they you know sort of close ranks with the professional organizations, and they generate the standards, yeah. and that's how these things. Oh, get they attack Peterson for for anything and everything now. Like we brought up the carnivore diet earlier. You know that mm-hmm. Michaela swears by. Well, her father swears by it too. When a lot of his right. issues also went away when he started to become more strict with that and to just eat, you know, a more restricted diet and just stick stick. It makes to you meat. wonder how yeah. many of these, you know, gender dysphoria or these other chronic problems, especially you know, with the young kids now with the obesity, they're mm-hmm. they're they're getting. They, 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 I, I lost my mind when I read this. <laughs> yeah, uh, young kids. They were the the old approach used to be called watchful waiting. You know, if kid was a little pudgy, mm-hmm. if he was a little obese, they would say, okay, you know, he'll probably grow out of it. You know, mm-hmm. most kids go through that growth spurt. Now they're saying that, no, uh, they're not growing out of it. In fact, it's getting entrenched. They're going on to diabetes. You know, they're getting, they're having uh, more complications in adulthood. So now they're saying maybe we need to put, you know, these, uh, you know, prepubescent obese children on medications and offer them surgeries yeah. for their obesity. And I was like, wow, this is like, yeah. just like the gender it's dysphoria the trans thing. issue. Yeah. It's just like medicalized, right. medicalized, medicalized, like, you know, and start get cutting into the kids and giving them pills. Cause it's all about that, all that, that money. And it's crazy. It's, it's insane. It's like, I mean, that's the thing too. It's just like what I found, which was, which surprised me was like when I started eating meat again, 
if I just like eat like a steak, you just don't want to eat more. Like, right. you know, there's something satiating about eating meat versus like a lot of these other foods. Like if I eat like rice, like I, I just like, I don't have that filter. It's so interesting. Like I, I can't like, I'll just eat too much rice. And I'm like, oh, why am I like over, you know, why am I too full? It's like, yeah, it's just like, I don't, <laughs> right. And so like, I just, it just like that filter goes away when you eat certain foods. And so it's like, and, and then we've demonized like red meat in particular mm-hmm. saying like, you know, that, you know, that it's, it causes all these health problems. And now there's all this stuff coming out saying like, no, it actually doesn't cause all these health problems. We've been for, wrong about it. They did that for butter as right. well for the longest time. Exactly. Butter and and, remember, like, and then mm-hmm. the replacement product from butter was all these, you know, these artificial oils made from oils, seed oils. Seed, hydrogenated, which vegetable cause inflammation, yeah. cause more problems. Exactly. Yeah, I cut out, yeah, I cut out seed oils too, because I was like, I, I like, I follow a couple like this, like, I think it's like seed oil disrespecter and stuff like that on Twitter. And I was just like, I, I was like looking at this, I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound like something I should be doing. So now I'm like, I cut out seed oils and now I just do animal products and I feel much better. So it's, it's like, wow, like we're, this is like such a bigger issue. And yet the one thing that like, I think people should be looking at first. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things I did that doesn't need to be looked into or like, you know, it, it needs to be looked into, but I think the, the, the easiest thing for people to have access to is going to be their diet and like yeah. changing their diet. Yep. And so it's like, well, why not do this non-invasive, you know, safe thing first before going into these experimental non or like these experimental invasive surgeries? It's just, it's crazy. And it's nuts. It's just so, such common yeah. basic sense. Like try something simple right. like diet and exercise and talk therapy first yeah. before you mm-hmm. start cutting yeah. into your parts. Like, oh God. Yeah. And we're yeah. the crazy ones for suggesting that. Yeah. We're hateful for, yeah. for daring to yeah. suggest that we're, we're crazy. It's we're all, all right. This, that, the other. I think, honestly, I think the, the diet thing is the biggest revelation in talking to you. And like I said earlier, I don't know anyone else so far who's gone through what you're going through and has made that connection in any way. And I'm curious now how many of them who are still struggling with this would benefit mm-hmm. more if, if they actually addressed it at that level, you know, just simply trying to change what you're consuming and putting in your body and then seeing how, how much, you know, that alleviates your anxiety or dysphoria and these other, you know, symptoms that they're, that they're going through. Aside from the other things too, like obviously therapy, okay. talking through your traumas and those sorts of things are important, but like changing your, changing what you eat is just, that should be like such a base level thing and doctors hardly ever talk about it. Like the last time I had a doctor's right. appointment, it's been a while, it's been a couple of years. They didn't ask a single question about what I ate, nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it like- happened to medicine. Right. Yeah, it's just like, it's it's just like, because I know like, what was it? Like somebody was talking about like they had to like eat liver because they had like an issue. And it was like, they, they were like, it was disgusting. That's like what a doctor would have, it must've been in like the fifties, like because I was talking to one of my grandparents about this. And so it's, it's just like, it's like so weird that we've gone so like to this like pharmaceutical way of like dealing with health issues instead of like, well, let's think like basics, like let's go back to the basics, which would be diet. And it's, I, I mean, that's just the thing. It's like everything that, that helped me was like non-invasive and, you know, it's, it, it would probably be a little bit experimental on the most part. I mean, hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been around for like 200 years. It hasn't been really tested 
as much on like the mental health issues, like what my case study was, but it's just, it is, it's like this is nuts. And so like, really what I want to do is that, um, and I'm not sure if it's going to be because I'm working with DTrans United or if it would be like through GenSpect or with, through my own thing, but I really want to do like a holistic health approach to like help like people who are considering transition and then also detransitioners, um, you know, because we need that. Like there's nothing like, particularly for detransitioners, like there's no doctors that like, there's no protocol to treat us. Like there's nothing out there. And so we need something. And then it was just like through all these things that helped me, I'm like, okay, well, let's just look into it. Like even like maybe like this thing that helped me isn't the answer, but let's like look into it and let's be experimental, which is really what I think science should be doing. Yes. You know, at least try it, you know, it can't, hurt to try right. it to just el maybe eliminate something out of your diet and see how you feel for a while mm -hmm. and then if you exactly. really want to see if that's what's causing it try reintroducing it for a while and seeing if those symptoms return that's that's an experimental approach to this and you'll see very realistic mm -hmm. results from that but it's just like you said these are non-invasive approaches and right. it's, it's, I think it's the best way we can try to go about this to help alleviate some of the suffering because clearly people right. are suffering. Like, I, I don't exactly. think anyone would feel that they have to go through a process of like changing their sex or attempting to, because I think we got to get rid of that language too. You can't change your sex. It's not possible. We need to stop yeah. selling that lie to these people, but to undergo the process of, uh, chemically and cosmetically altering themselves in order to feel mm -hmm. better when there might be these other alternatives that aren't invasive at all and might help them feel well enough where at least most of those dysphoria symptoms can dissipate. Right. And I think that kind of like it, it kind of reminded me when I was talking, like, I don't know why this came up, but it, like when I'm thinking of people who are activists, we're going to have a lot of people who are also vegan and vegetarian. And so we're dealing with people who are probably a population that are going to most likely be trans because that's kind of like a whole thing, right? The whole package of like, right. you probably care about environmentalism, you know, you care about mm -hmm. racism, sexism, transphobia, like this is going to be part of that whole package. Yeah. We're going to be dealing with a population that's more, more likely to lean towards veganism, vegetarianism. I know I was a pescatarian. I'm not as common as the other two, but you know, and then they're not getting these like, I mean, I know like when Essential you're vegan, nutrients. exactly. Like when you're vegan, you have to take B12 supplements yes, and like, yeah. there's probably other things you have to take too, but, yep. and, and I don't even know if that's more bioavailable because that's the thing too, is that foods are going to be more bioavailable. Yep. And from everything I understand meats more bioavailable than these plant foods are. Yep. So yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's just insane. Like, I, I just wish somebody had said like, Hey, like, just try eating meat again. Like, you know, it's not, it's not the protein, like, because somebody was like, well, I'm worried you're not getting enough protein. And that's not the thing. Like somebody needed to say like, look, meat's more bioavailable. Just try it and see if it helps your mental health for a month, you know, do carnivore for a month, see if it helps, um, or like a carnivore leaning diet, like, you know, cut out the seed oils, just, just try it. I, I just, I, I, I would be in a different place now if I had known back then what I do now. And so it's like, really, I just want, just want to prevent this from happening to others. So 
Yeah, I was yeah. Uh, lucky that I, I, I had a background in biochemistry mm -hmm. and, and uh, molecular biology. So from a very young age, I got sort of clued into the necess necessity mm -hmm. of things like cholesterol, which forms, you know, mm -hmm. a necessary component of all our cell membranes. It helps keep them flexible. And it mm -hmm. also is a precursor for things like testosterone, human growth hormone, mm -hmm. and a bunch of other, you know, fatty chemicals that our body needs, you know. So when mm -hmm. they demonize cholesterol when they restrict you know and tell people not to eat mm. as much meat you know eat these vegetables instead which as you said you know they don't have the same nutrients that are in the same way that they're they're able to be digested uh it causes all sorts of problems and i think mm. a lot of the adhd a lot of the mental illness a mm. lot of the mental problems in the youth that we're seeing more frequently are from things right. like malnutrition from these you know crazy little diets and you know other stuff mm -hmm. you know contamination and things but i think it's great that you're going to be putting together <clears throat> some way to sort of holistically approach i was going to ask you what you wanted to do in the future so i'm glad you sort of yeah. got to that already yeah. but yeah, yeah. No, i think that there's a huge demand for it there there are definitely people that are still hurting you've seen firsthand yeah. how the, these doctors will ignore their patients yeah. write off their concerns as just like oh you're just making it up like shape they were telling shape you know that he that he was responsible for uh you know his complications because he didn't dilate properly when he had followed all the instructions yeah. shape got the the bottom surgery so right that, that's a really yeah. you know extreme step to take and it does tend to have a lot of complications and how right. many of them are informed of how likely that is to happen because it's like you're and then when you're, they happen a wound. you're creating a wound in your they body mistreat these people you know they they write them off they 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 mock them they yeah. claim that they're the, the problem when it was actually a, you know a natural consequence right. of the procedure they got and then they just sort of like wipe their hands of it yeah. and go on to the next person it's it's criminal it's, frankly yeah i think there needs to yeah. be more lawsuits like like what you're about to do and there needs to be some accountability sorry but like these these doctors these psychiatrists all these people like there needs to be some accountability oh, there's that one TikTok surgeon she the the yeets the teeth yeah yeah she's just on there you know advertising directly to kids like no, lock her up over it yeah that was i i just heard of like a TikTok from the yeets the teats lady or like not from her but like somebody who had seen her and like this this person he he was like um he's trans and he got the um like the top surgery and he's like yeah i was i was dealing with all these things like um and and she kept dismissing it like oh you're okay you're okay you're okay and then um it was ended up being like this really bad infection and it just oh, like God. it was like this like golf ball thing like fell out like size of like blood clot or something fell out of mm -hmm. like the, the surgical area and it was just like like and, and then like he ended up going to a surgeon and the surgeon was said like it's good that you came to me because you could have died from this like this was like a bad infection and it was like i'm i'm just like that is so irresponsible but yeah. it's just like there, there's just so many of these surgeons i know like definitely not as like not anywhere near that but um you know when i developed all these health complications from the surgery like i just like i was dismissed from my surgeon like i was like hey like i had all these issues like is there any way that the surgery caused this um and she's like no but it's just like when i do when i did scar work and stuff like that um and like another or like uh pdtr which is another form of body work which is again kind of like 
those more manual therapies. But like when they did these treatments on it, it just like, it felt better. Like, and I noticed like my symptoms got better. So like there was, I mean, the thing too, it's just like all this stuff happened after the surgery anyway. So there's no way that it wasn't linked to the surgery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, uh, just everything, like the tinnitus happened this, after the surgery. I developed Raynaud syndrome, which is like when your capillaries shrink, like on your extremities and, you know, there's discoloration, like discoloration. I got heat rashes. Like, it was just like all these like odd symptoms, but it's just like, like, it's just like once they thought I had psychosomatic fever, like all my doctors started dismissing me. Like there was like that dark shift in their tone. And so I was like, okay, I'm on my own and figuring out how to, how to deal with this and how to get myself better. So that's really when I started doing like the holistic stuff, but it's just, it's sad because like, it's like, it's so futile to keep going through that medical system because that medical system isn't going to help you. Like, it's not going to get you better. It's just going to put like a bandaid on it really. Yeah. I've had, you know, I find the medical system is really good with like acute injury. So if you are in a car accident, you know, and break a leg, or if you get shot or stabbed, like the medical system is great for fixing those problems. But if you've got like chronic depression and anxiety, like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. not so good. Like really you need a more holistic dietary, you know, Mm -hmm. approach. You need something else. But I wanted to make one final point though on the yeet the deeds woman. Oh gosh. Yeah. And there's 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 gotta be like some kind of sick like fetish thing going on there, or just like yeah. an enjoyment that this woman has in in cutting into people and stuff. Because frankly, like if that were a job that I did, I wouldn't be making TikTok videos, making jokes about it and all that stuff, especially if the people that yeah, I'm doing this to are people who are clearly struggling right or minors and going through like a difficult time so just making it this light fun thing there's just something really bizarre and creepy about that and like there's there's definitely something not right with that woman just Mm -hmm. i wanted to just say that (laughs) oh yeah yeah i'm like it's Mm -hmm. weird yeah i think a lot of surgeons are a little off you know, to be honest, like, to be, yeah. mm-hmm. but they, you know, th- obviously right. there are amazing surgeons out there who save people. Right. And they, they perform these really complicated procedures that do save right. people's lives. But this is not that this is not the same thing as that. It's really, uh, maybe I should say like plastic surgeons yeah. more. So, yeah, yeah, I think that would probably be a better thing, but like n- definitely not all of them, but like, I think some of them are just a little off. I know like my surgeon or my plastic surgeon told my mom, like that she she like cut off a pound of like fat off of me or something like which was kind of like huh that's a little weird so it's just like again it's kind of like that sort of detached thing from like you know this is kind of like you're carving some healthy person up yeah. instead of like you know and removing healthy tissue like that's i don't know there's just something weird with some of the some of these plastic surgeons for sure it, it does remind me of Dr. Frankenstein and that whole story. And I think right. there's, there's a lesson in a that story. too, you know, like I think you said mm-hmm. it the other day, but like, just because you can do something. It's the theme of Jurassic Park. Doesn't mean <clears throat> you should. It is mm-hmm. the theme of Jurassic Park and like trying to play yeah. God, thinking, thinking that you can just like change the creation into some other when you can't, like, it's not possible. Maybe someday we'll be able to go in there and like, alter the chromosomes at a dna yeah. level or something like you were that. talking about mm-hmm. i don't there's this book yeah. steel beach which has a uh 
in in the book they there is a it's in the future and there's a process where somebody get the main character goes through a sex change but their sex change is perfect so they go into this vat mm -hmm. and nanotechnology swaps out their chromosomes and they go in a man and they come out like a biological woman like yeah. that's that's mm -hmm. not where we're at and that's not what we should be yeah. selling to young adults and kids that are mm -hmm. having like a little bit of confusion or perhaps trauma surrounding all, all this is tied into transhumanism as well this whole you know ideology of transhumanism and i think you know i think that they really do believe that they can alter reality i was reading <laughs> about this new this new bottom surgery where they they want to give both genitals to people no so that you get a, oh you get a vajayjay yeah. yeah. and, oh. and you get a, a, a have, have you seen part. the uh phalloplasties oh don't look at pictures of phallo oh I've, I've seen them unfortunately oh, yeah, yeah. It's, so uh, sad. it's so sad uh, this is another thing too yeah. like we talk about on twitter frequently because it's like yes like mm -hmm. obviously this issue is affecting women more and in more realistic ways and there's right. also a higher amount of girls who are falling into the gender ideology and i think that's why a lot of the radical feminists right. are on board with this you know it's affecting women's sports men and women's spaces mm -hmm. obviously puts them in more danger but this is affecting boys and men too right and this is our fight as well this is not a fight that the feminists can just try to keep us out of and say well no billboard chris he can't be the face of this so, movement. some particular and, feminists who i yes, won't name we're not gonna name have them. very very strong yes. hateful things to say about billboard chris. yes and it's because it's he's a man because he's a man yeah. and he's having an impact here when it's like dude he's also a father of, of girls so he does right. even serious they even debate that and the gender ideology stuff is erasing by or attempting to erase the concept of biological sex entirely which also erases men and so one of the things i want to talk about was like and i guess we can end on this point but like the way like this just the same way that like lesbians mm -hmm. are now being pressured by these trans men to have sex with them right called all these horrible things you're a bigot you're this and that if they don't want to mm -hmm. you know because they're lesbians gay men are also now we are we are being pressured by these trans men to find them attractive or to at least keep our mouths shut about them actually being biological women we're not allowed to call them women anymore we have to say trans men are men and even worse we have to accept their self-identifying as gay men they're literally trying to put us on as a costume and say that yeah. i am i am now a gay man because i'm a heterosexual woman who has altered themselves to look more masculine and i take hormones and all this stuff and yeah they'll go as far as to say that if we don't find that attractive and don't want to sleep with them we're horrible people we're cis het gay men well cis gay men you know we're bigots like i don't like that word cis and it's like one you have a vagina a two it may even be worse than that you have a vagina that you've then put this tube of flesh over that is attached to you and you call that a penis and it's like that's it's not a penis we're not attracted to that we don't want anything to do with it we don't want to touch it please leave us alone it's it's literally homophobia from the left it's left-wing homophobia yeah, it's just like the whole thing. And again, I, th I think that when I hear that, like if somebody being like, you must be like me, you must be attracted to me, you must use my pronouns. Again, it's like that confidence thing, like yes. that screams, like you don't have confidence and that that's something yep. you need to work on. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's just like, it, it's the whole thing is like, well, you don't want to date like a trans woman or you don't want to date a man. Like if you're like 
a straight person and you're like, well, I want to have kids. Like I, I can't have kids with, you know, somebody who's a trans man, you know, like that's just not biologically possible. So it's like, that's the other thing. It's like, that's like such a bizarre thing of like, well, you don't want to date us. And it's like, well, if you want to have a family, then it's just like, I mean, yeah, you can do other things, I guess. But if you're like, I want that particular, I don't know, if you don't want to go through kind of like this whole other thing of like, I don't know, like the whole adoption kind of sci-fi, yeah, surrogacy or like adoption or, or, you know, it's just like, that's what would be required. So it's, it's just like, it's such a, that and just like who you're attracted to is who you're attracted to. And it's complicated anyways. Like, you know, right. it's, it's like dating's like already a mess. It's like, <laughs> now it's just like, you're telling me who I have to like, yes. like, yeah, yeah it's weird. crazy. Yeah. It's, hard enough as it is. It is definitely hard enough right. as it is. And the confidence thing too is interesting because like, you know, one of the, one of the things I could say about you is like, from what you described, from where your journey started to where you are now, you mm -hmm. seem very confident. You come off as someone who is a, a quite a confident person to be able to come on a podcast like this and to mm -hmm. talk about the things you've been through. That takes a lot of confidence, you know, and I imagine just two years ago, you were the polar opposite of that. You probably were not able oh, yeah. to talk about it at all without it being, you know, something really discomforting. Yeah, it was like, I mean, it's so surreal because in the last two years, like I've grown so much as a person and it's just like, I'd have these like emotional shifts. Like, it'd be like, okay, like this is clicking. And then like, I mean, two years ago, I didn't even want to have kids. Like, and I didn't want to have family. I wasn't interested in dating. Like, I mean, it's just like, that's what I needed this whole time was, you know, a holistic health approach and then before that i mean i was so dysfunctional like i was just struggling with you know generalized anxiety disorder that was like not manageable like i mean i'd be on my computer all day watching videos just to kind of like mitigate the anxiety and wow. then it's just you know i was like struggling with major depressive disorder which i no longer have like i do struggle with mild depression but i think that's normal for like yeah. what i'm going through you know, and then it's just like my ADHD was really bad. So I, I just like, I wasn't, I'd be like angry at my parents all the time. Like, it's just like, it was, I was not in a good place back then. And so it's been, I'm just so grateful that I've been able to do this um, and do these treatments and, you know, be able to be in a place where, you know, I, I did like my parents provided me a space to be able to do these treatments so that I can get better. Like I, I couldn't have done it without them. So. Yeah. And now, now yeah. you're in a place where you can help other people. Right. You know? And that's, that's another good mm -hmm. way too to get out of our depressive episodes is to try mm -hmm. to do something nice for someone else. It's a good, good way to do that because what depression really is, mm -hmm. is like, it's the attention turned inward and it is selfish. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, it's me, 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 poor me. And I understand that because mm -hmm. I go through it myself, but trying to take yourself out of that and, and put your attention onto someone else to do something nice for someone else, it's a big, yeah. big way you can get out of that, you know, aside from diet and all these other things. But we commend you mm -hmm. and we're happy to see that you're you're in a better place right now and that you found a way that worked for you. And I hope your way works for other people. I really do, because a lot of people yeah. are getting hurt right now. And I'm sensing sucks. I'm sensing a book in your future. Yes. There's going to be a memoir. There's going to be a book. I feel yeah. like uh, it's definitely, you definitely got a lot of important for things. Sure. I guess we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, let people yeah. know where they could find you, Camille. 
Yes. So you, uh, people can find me on my Twitter, uh, Camille Kiefel. Um, I'm also the get better right now. Oh, thank you. Um, and then also, um, let's see here. So Twitter, I have YouTube, which is, um, the get better researcher. I'm also on, like, I have a bunch of like alt platforms, so you can find me, um, like I have like rumble and such, and you can find me through, um, all my links. I don't know if it's like Camille Kiefel. It, you can find me on like my, all my links is on my, um, yeah, my right Twitter here. as well. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. That in the description. Yeah, I'll put, the, I'll put yeah. those links in the description for everybody. Yeah. So they can Thank make you. it easy to find. And we will have you back again. And totally, you're welcome to come back That'd again. Great. Follow up on, I'd mm -hmm. love to hear, you know, where your lawsuit is yeah. in like, you know, six months to a year. It'll be interesting. Yeah, and the mm -hmm. and the project that you're trying to organize yes. with the holistic approach and stuff, you know, we we'll definitely recommend some people in your direction who are who are yeah. struggling. Totally. Yeah. All thank right. you, Camille. Thank Thanks you again, so everybody. Much. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share, give us money. All we love things. you, yeah. and we'll be back again soon with another one. Bye bye.